Welcome to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it so you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Time is tight. That's why our advisors have wrapped up today's most timely topics into a podcast with actionable advice. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Paul. Hey, Kim. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? Good. Nice to see you. I can't believe we are already in fall and headed towards the end of 2020. Let's do this. These are I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying these conversations. Let's keep it going. Yeah. And so, you know, this season we've been trying to focus on frequently asked questions and topics that our clients are constantly wanting to know more about. And so today's episode is answering questions around SOC reporting and this is right up your alley for sure. So why don't you introduce us to our guests, which are your team? Absolutely. I, I could do the talking, but I'm gonna let the experts do the talking on this <laughs> one. So um, excited about this conversation. And with us today are two managers within our security risk and controls group, Angie Ackerman and Justin Headley. Uh, both do the majority of our SOC reportings uh, within Warren Averett, uh, Angie, that's kind of her main focus. Justin focuses a lot on those, plus the IT side of things. So Angie, Justin, so glad to have you all with us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Glad to be here. So let's, you know, let's, let's jump right in. We're, we're answering those questions about SOC reporting. And so what is an SOC report and, you know, why would a service organization need one? Okay, so SOCs or SOCs are system and organization control reports designed by the AICPA to give assurance over an organization's internal control structure. And the AICPA actually offers uh, several options through their SOC suite of services. Um, first off, uh, SOC for service organizations, uh, where that's uh, the SOC 1, SOC 2, and SOC 3 reports. They also offer SOC for cybersecurity and SOC for supply chain, which, which was most recently um, implemented. Um, however, the SOC 1 and SOC 2 reports still are the most highly demanded. Uh, why are they needed? So the decision to have a SOC exam performed is usually driven by uh, service organizations, customers, or even prospective customers. And they are asking for that report uh, to, as part of their vendor management process and performing those due diligence procedures over their vendors to ensure that they're addressing any risk um, that may uh, threaten the achievement of providing those services. So that could be, the SOC report could be a determining factor on whether you keep that a current customer or either gain that business from that prospective customer. Yeah, and while these reports have, they've certainly all been around for a while, um, you know, the reason we're seeing so much more interest now, like Angie mentioned, is, is directly related to vendor management. Uh, you know, this was something, you know, previously only scrutinized by those heavier regulated industries uh, like banking or healthcare. Uh, but cybersecurity is now something we all, regardless of company size uh, or industry, that we have to consider. And you know, unfortunately, so many of these huge, large-scale data breaches um, could be directly attributed to like a third party. And in these cases, no one ever remembers the third party that uh, may or may not have been to blame. They remember the company that got hacked uh, and may have leaked through information. So, you know, we're talking Target and Instagram, Marriott, just to name a few. And, you know, the reputation that they hit, uh, reputation hit that they took. But this has all led to further scrutiny of the vendors that we choose to do business with uh, and the ones that have access to our sensitive data. So the SOC report, uh, you know, like Angie mentioned, it's a great way for a 
an independent, unbiased third party to kind of come in, uh, validate the commitments that the, that that service organization is providing to the customers. And Justin, that's a great point you brought up around reputation and brand. And obviously our listeners are very familiar with those large organizations that you, you mentioned and the breaches that made the headlines, but you know, a lot of our clients that are not well-known global brands are still susceptible to breaches and, and cyber attacks and, and they need this, this type of reporting as well, you know, to make sure that their clients and vendors and customers feel safe and secure working with them as well. So it's not just the, the large brands that everyone thinks of. It's, it's a lot of companies that people do business with every day that, that maybe don't have that well-known brand name. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned, um, Angie, well, both of you, you mentioned a SOC 1 and a SOC 2 report. So maybe you can help our listeners understand what's the difference between when do I need a SOC 1 versus a SOC 2 report? Um, so I'll take the SOC 1 and I'll let Justin talk about the SOC 2. So the SOC 1 is an examination of a service organization's controls as they relate to their user entities or their customers' internal control over financial reporting or ICFR. And so the user entities uh, and their auditors uh, want to look at those reports for several reasons. Uh, one, their auditors may be relying on some of the testing we performed in the SOC uh, as part of their financial audit. They also uh, are going to make sure that the relevant controls are being addressed in the SOC related to the services being provided to them. And they're also looking to see if there are any complementary user entity controls listed in the report that may be relevant to them as user entities uh, as controls they need to have in place in order for the controls at the service organization to be working correctly. And so SOC 1s are typically over um, services such as uh, payroll processing or benefits processing, uh, 401k uh, record keeping, uh, any of those processing kind of services that are related to the financial uh, reporting. Um, They also may typically include IT general controls. Um, And the main difference in that SOC 1 over the SOC 2 is that there's no specified criteria. So the service organization will have to identify those control objectives and also um, have to design and implement those controls to meet those control objectives. Yeah, and, you know, Angie mentioned the SOC 1 has that bit of a financial focus. So the SOC 2 report, uh, if you had to put it in a nutshell, it has more of a, a technical focus. So Angie mentioned this, but the main difference here is that, you know, instead of determining your own criteria uh, with the SOC 2, the AICPA has uh, developed its own set of criteria and you have to demonstrate that you have controls in place around each of those uh, areas of focus. So for the SOC 2, you also have the option to choose from uh, five trust service categories. Uh, So security is number one, and this is sort of the, the basis of the SOC 2 report. Uh, It's also known as the common criteria, Uh, but then you can also choose from uh, availability, uh, processing integrity, uh, confidentiality, and privacy. And what you choose is usually driven by uh, what's most important to you and your customers. So uh, a data center, for example, would probably be most interested in a SOC 2 around security and availability uh, so that they can display to their customers um, how resilient their data center is or the uptime that, uh, that they keep. Um, you know, while you might have a company in the healthcare space with healthcare records, you know, they might be interested in privacy or confidentiality categories uh, and the controls that they place around that sensitive data. 
Yes, and I would also add that um, that an organization has to have that security category, that common criteria, and then they can add one of those, one or all four of the other categories uh, as it relates to their system. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Head on over to warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. All right, guys, that was a great explanation of SOC 1 and SOC 2. And when, when we uh, have these conversations with folks, everybody's like, well, is that a type 1 or is that a type 2? And, and, and the numbers start to get confusing. Um, can you kind of help people understand um, the difference in the types of SOC 1 and SOC 2 reports, you know, most commonly called type 1 and type 2? Yeah, Paul, this is, this is definitely, like you mentioned, an area where we see a lot of confusion and trying to keep up with the, the ones and the twos. But, you know, basically, once you've decided whether that, that SOC 1 or the SOC 2 works best for you and, and your organization, you then decide between that top type 1 and type 2 report. So the type 1 report is, um, we most often see that with organizations kind of going through their, their first SOC audit. So this is because a type one report focuses only on the, the design of a control as of or at a particular point in time. So I'll kind of give an example here. So we'll give company A has a control around um, background checks for a new hire. So in a type one report, the auditor would uh, inspect evidence of, of one new hire to ensure that background check was completed for an as of date we'll give for a December 31st here. Uh, that that control was suitably designed. So comparing that to a type two report, the main difference is that you know, instead of that report being as, as of a particular date, the report for a type two, it spans over a period of time. So this is typically uh, no less than three months and usually no longer than a year. Uh, one year is usually the most common what we see. But going back, going back to that example earlier, uh, the, you know, the company having good control around background checks for new hires. In this case, the auditor would not just look at one new hire, uh, but get a population of all new hires for a period. Uh, we'll just say January 1st to December 31st. Uh, and for that population, pick a sample of new hires and, and ensure that those background checks were completed for each of those. So so you can definitely see the, the level of uh, assurance here in the type one versus the type two is there's definitely a lot more assurance for the type two. We do most often see organizations kind of start with that type one and then move to the type two report uh, in year two or maybe even year three. So Angie, when we talk about a service organization, can they be SOC compliant or SOC certified? That's a great question, uh, Kim, uh, and a great um, misconception, a common misconception misconception. Um, organizations often ask us, um, how can we become SOC compliant or how do we receive, receive SOC certification? So SOCs are attestation examinations. Um, and upon completion of that exam, we will issue a report reporting package. And that reporting package will include our independent service auditors report. It will include our tests performed and the results of those tests on that type two. Um, and it will also include the organization's um, uh, assertion as well as their system description or that narrative of their controls. Um, and there's, there's also no pass or fail in the report. Within our independent service auditors report, uh, we will issue an opinion. 
if that description is fairly presented or in accordance with the description criteria uh, and the controls are suitably designed and operating effectively uh, for that type two, then the service auditor will likely issue an unmodified opinion, uh, which is the desired outcome. Um, and th but there could be like significant issues that come up in testing um, or the description could be misleading or missing relevant information. And then the service auditor has to determine whether or not to issue uh, a qualified opinion or even an adverse opinion, depending on the pervasiveness of the issues. Um, so it's that unmodified opinion that you're looking for. So y'all have talked about an SOC one, y'all talked about an SOC two. Uh, do companies get both? Do they get one? Kind of what is that normalcy there, Justin? Yeah, while while most organizations usually have like a like a clear cut report that they're gonna need or that's gonna fit their needs or their customer needs best. We definitely have some some cases that benefit from the differences of both reports, just kind of due to again their customers' needs or kind of their their unique situation. This usually most often comes up with organizations that deal with like processing of of a financial transaction, uh, but they also may run that application on um, their own cloud hosted environment or or a hosted environment from a third party, uh, like an Azure or or an Amazon Web Services. So. We'll kind of use an example here of an application um, used by other banks to process uh, certain types of financial transactions. So customers in this case would want assurance that those financial transactions are being completed timely and accurately. So, you know, that's going to be covered under the SOC 1. But they may also have concern about, uh, you know, where that data is being held uh, and the confidentiality of it. So that's kind of where the SOC 2 would come into play. So. That, that's just one example. It's not definitely not as common, but there are definitely circumstances where, where some organizations would benefit from both reports. So what's the typical time frame for completing one of these reports? So SOC exams can be a very lengthy process. Uh, it can take several months, uh, even to a year to complete, depending on how prepared an organization is to meet those requirements. And so some organizations uh, may have robust policies and procedures and internal controls already in place. And, and if they do, then that certainly will shorten that process. Uh, for those that do not have those uh, items in place, um, we would recommend doing a readiness assessment in order to um, see how ready the organization is to have that report done and also uh, would help uh, identify any gaps or any areas for improvement that they need to do you know, prior to jumping right into that SOC too quickly. Uh, and that would hopefully uh, help them avoid any majors uh, or significant exceptions or deficiencies in the report once they have it done. Well, guys, I've, that's some really good information on, on SOC reporting today. So let's, let's wrap it up for our listeners, if you don't mind. In, in 60 seconds, what is the one thing you want them to kind of leave with? Angie, we'll go to you first. The biggest takeaway that I think I would make is that while getting that um, issued report is important, uh, we ultimately hope that the organization also gains some value from the process and strengthening of their internal control structures. So it's not just a matter of checking that box uh, that they um, you know, have got that report because somebody asked for it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add there, I go back to one item I mentioned earlier, you know, cybersecurity is here to stay as our data is you know, certainly becoming more mobile by the day and organizations are going to continue the trend of outsourcing uh, those critical areas or functions of their business to, to third parties uh, who have expertise in an area. But 
you know, we always like to say that while you can outsource the service, you can't outsource the responsibility. So as breaches continue to happen, this is only going to increase the due diligence and uh, the scrutiny that these third parties are placed under. So it's always better for organizations to get ahead of this curve um, so that you can kind of demonstrate to your current uh, or future potential customers your, your commitment to your controls. Well said, guys. That was that was some good good information today on SOC reporting. Thank you all again, Justin, Angie. Um, you know, we talk to each other each day, but it's nice to get on this podcast and have the same conversation. Kim, thanks for letting us kind of uh, talk about this today. Yeah, and great job. You guys got to show your knowledge in front of your your partner that leads your service area. I mean, you you did a great job. So thank you both for being with us today, and really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to our podcast series, or make a suggestion for other topics to cover, visit us at warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap.